All right, what's up everybody? Today we have a guitar player and a band leader here in town, uh, Cowardy Bill, how you doing? Good to see you. Yeah, thanks for coming in, man. Yeah, thank you. I think I met you at your uh, at your jam, mm -hmm. probably. Uh, Westport? Yeah. Yeah. I think it probably at Westport, yeah. yeah. I think so, yeah. Yeah, how, how long have you guys been doing that one at Westport? Uh, it's been about four years or so. Yeah, that's uh, cool, man. There was a break in there for a little bit, but uh, we came back, so. Mm -hmm. But pretty much four years, it's been going pretty good. Yeah, dude, yeah. I was definitely always impressed by your playing. I know you Thank got you. Uh, the thing that cracks me up and I want to get into the jams here in a second, but what cracks me up is the guys that can kind of get up there and hang with everything. But then there's the other guys, like you would be in that category and like a Dave Hayes that know like 200 songs like yeah. right now <laughs> or know like a lot of yeah. tunes that you can just rip, you know, go, 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 go. And that's, that's something I'm uh, jealous of of myself, you know. <laughs> There's a lot of us that can kind of get up there and hang, but a lot but, of that's uh, just reinterpretations of songs. They might mm -hmm. not be note for note or whatever. So right, yeah, that's that's what you hone your practice doing jams like that. Kind of make stuff up as you go. So. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and it's like to me, it's like remembering lyrics too. That's, yeah, that's like the other yeah. thing that's tough. Yeah, that's 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 not not always the easiest thing. You don't remember <laughs> all the lyrics? Sometimes they escape me. Yeah, <laughs> sometimes. Sometimes they escape me. I've had this habit of not just making up the words, but making up words. You know, just mumbling some gibberish. Or yeah, whatever, right, right. Just to get through the song, right? So. And does the audience ever know? Usually, the people on stage with me know. Mm, sure. Yeah, I, I haven't. Yeah. I haven't. I've been called out by band members for doing that. <laughs> I haven't been called out by audience members. Right, that. right. When you accidentally sing the first verse again. Because you forgot uh, yeah, it already. Yeah, yeah, yeah that, that happens too, yeah. Fix it in some way, you know. Well, that's cool, man. So, like, so I wanted to know because you you and I haven't really talked, you know, a million times, so I really don't know a whole lot about, like, how you got started playing. Can you, can you talk about that a little bit? Well, um, I was in high school in the, uh, in the 80s. <laughs> it's a long time ago. And, uh, uh, it seemed like that was uh, the thing that every, everyone was doing. Everyone was buying guitars or learning how to play drums or whatever, you know. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah, it just, the type of thing appealed to me. I had some friends. I took piano lessons when I was a, when I was a kid. And uh, it didn't necessarily take. It wasn't as much fun for me then. It was more like extra homework. Mm -hmm. And then when, uh, by the time I was a teenager... I saw, I had some friends, they had a band. I had, um, they said to me, someone said to me once, they're like, well, we're, me in, in, in my English class in ninth grade, there was a guy sitting in front of me who played guitar and a guy across the aisle played drums and they were putting a band together. They had a keyboard player who could sing and they needed a bass player. Mm -hmm. And the guy turns to me and says, you want to be a bass player in a band? And I, I thought immediately back to those, piano lessons when I was seven you know it's like okay more homework no I don't that I don't I don't think I want to do that mm -hmm. and then I had some other friends that had a band and they were playing at the you know they had a high school battle of the bands coming up and um and I was like well wait a second you guys all play and yeah we went down and and they were rehearsing because they were going to get to play I think it was one or two songs I can't remember mm -hmm. and uh <laughs> I just remember one of the songs was that they chose to play was uh, 
Search and Seek and Destroy by yeah, Metallica. Right, yeah. And they played it over and over and over again at this rehearsal. And I just remember seeing my friends, they were my age, you know, they looked like, they, you know, mm. dressed like me and looked like me, had the same haircut as me. And they were, like, to me, they looked like rock stars. You know, they were mm. 10 feet tall. I was like, they're really doing it. Oh my God, I can't believe this. Mm. So it was in Texas and it was hot and it was getting close to summer. So we went to go take a break and they opened the garage door and we went out into the alleyway to, you know, cool off for a little bit. And then look, you know, look down the alley and here comes uh, three girls that were down the street. They, they heard the music and they were coming to check it out. I was like, Wait a second. I can, if I got in a band, <laughs> I'd, 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 I could be a, I could be a 10 foot tall rock star like these guys playing Metallica covers in a garage and meet girls. Hey, mm -hmm. this might not be a bad thing, you know, mm -hmm. but you know, that's the way it is when you're 14, and, yeah. you know, but, uh, I started taking, I started on bass and I played, um, you know, uh, Heavy metal was big at the time, but I was more into the deeper, you know, the harder edge. It wasn't called grungy. It wasn't called grunge at the time, but that yeah. kind of, more kind of that stuff. And uh, I dug back and back and back, and then I found blues music. And I was 15 years old, and I just I it's like, well, that's where all that come from, you know. That's where mm. it's like you listen to. You know, Ozzy Osbourne was popular at the mm -hmm. time. You find out he was in Black Sabbath, and then you dig back into Black Sabbath, and you hear the stuff that was going on at the time, Led Zeppelin, and, you know, and then a little bit back from that, the Rolling Stones, and you look at the record labels, and you see this song was written by Willie Dixon, or this song was written by Muddy Waters, and mm. Cream and Jimi Hendrix were all the same oh, thing. Yeah. And, uh, and then I remember asking my dad, I was reading this record label, and said, this song was written by Muddy Waters, and... Asked my dad who was Muddy Waters, and he said, "Oh, that's the old blues guy from Chicago." So I went and found some Muddy Waters records, and that was it for me. You know? Oh yeah, yeah, fifteen years old. I've been a blues fan since. That's so. awesome, man. Yeah, I mean, because you're you're absolutely right. I mean, Stones, Zeppelin for sure. I mean, even Floyd, definitely Jimi Hendrix. Mm -hmm. I mean, those, all those guys were very bluesy. You know, their whole bands, and, and you, you see that linkage yeah. all the way back. And that's really cool that you, that this has been sort of a reoccurring theme on the show, is that it, maybe in your situation, you, you maybe didn't have a huge influence from a family member, but you were, at least with yourself, exposed to that stuff that early. Yeah. That's unusual, right? I yeah, mean, usually 15-year-olds aren't listening I, to I movies. was the only kid on my bus listening to Muddy Waters. Right, sure. <laughs> and yeah. I had a Walkman, and I had I had the, you know, I had the hair. I still got the hair. Mm -hmm. I, things haven't changed that much. So <laughs> uh, uh, I had the hair, and I had the Metallica T-shirt or the Motorhead T-shirt. I had a Motorhead back patch on my jean jacket, and I was listening to Got My Mojo working mm, right, on right. my Walkman. You know, right. I was the only one I knew who was doing that at the time. Right. Even in the Dallas area, don't let anyone my age fool you. You know, they all say, "Oh yeah, I grew up listening to Stevie Ray." No, they didn't grow up listening to Stevie. No one I knew yeah, in right. the Dallas area at the time right. did. After he died, suddenly everyone was the world's biggest Stevie Ray Vaughan yeah, fan. Sure, but, yeah. Uh, he definitely was a very important, iconic figure in, in Texas music, but uh, not amongst teenagers. You know, they were sure. still 
Motley Crue and Bon Jovi and all them were the big mm. names at the time, you know, so. Right. Because that, that happens with, and that's, that that's what happens when you have a thing, like grunge was a thing, and then uh, hair, hair bands, you know, yeah. the 80s, and there's, and then you have this other this other artist that comes out right at that same yeah. time and they either get a lot of play because they're so different or they just get yeah. completely drowned out. In, right. And I bet Stevie was sort of in that. Yeah, Stevie Ray Vaughan, he's still, all his records I think went gold, you know, when oh, they, yeah. you know, but I mean, as far as like top 40 radio or whatever, he wasn't, you know, yeah. he wasn't mainstream, I, I suppose. I don't know. I don't know what the billboard definition would be for that type of thing. Pride and Joy is on 101 all the time, yeah, you know. Yeah. I mean that that's a song he would have for yeah. sure that would a lot of people know. Yeah. You you said something interesting that I've been talking about a lot on the show is that I've been wrestling with this idea of the fun and the work, you know, and you yeah. you talked about that how you got the work at first yeah. and that you you're just not having it, you know. I mean, they, I didn't I didn't sign up for this for homework. Yeah, you know. Mm -hmm. And I joke with some some of my friends a lot when I come into a club, you know, and then a guy, you know, this band is playing thirteen minute instrumentals, which I yeah. think is awesome. But it's like these guys didn't come out here for homework tonight, right? Like the audience, yeah. you know. Yeah. That, that's the same type of idea. Like, can you? Can you like talk about that a little bit of how you were feeling back then, or like uh, in regards to like why didn't you why didn't you like the piano, or what what was it specifically about the fun? I it, I I honestly don't recall. I mean, mm -hmm. I started taking piano lessons when I was seven. I think I took them till I was like twelve, mm -hmm. and retained zero knowledge of the whole thing. You know, <laughs> I couldn't get on there now. I couldn't even. I don't. Yeah. You know. I I don't think I ever got past you know level one right and because that's just what I was doing I would I would learn the okay you got to learn the thing on page three right. all right I learned that and that was it that was right. all I all right well no you have to play it you know I remember my mom saying well you have to write it down you have to play it five times so I would just go there and play it five times and that would be it you know right. am I done can I go play right. ball now or can I watch yeah. TV or something you know and um, I had I thought that that's what uh, I had no idea what what it took to be in a band. You know, mm -hmm. I thought you know by the time I was fourteen, that are you sitting on? Do you have to go home and play the songs three times mm -hmm. and you know right. get them note for note and work with the metronome and the whole yeah, bit? Right, you know, right, right. and uh, uh, you know there's. It wasn't quite, and it wasn't improvisation yet, you know, that, that mm -hmm. kind of comes later, you know, where you're, uh, that, you know, a lot of the 13 minute songs involve a lot of, you Jamming know, whatever, yeah. yeah. And, um, but uh, the whole piano lesson thing, the homework aspect of it, that was, um, it was just like, there was no real expression with it. I was, mm -hmm. I was doing it to get it done. Right, you know, I, and because they told you, probably yeah, told, too. Yeah, yeah, they told. I was told I had to do it, you know, yeah. and I was gonna get graded on it, you know. Right, and uh, I don't know. It just, it, yeah. it didn't, it didn't grab me. It didn't appeal to me, mm. and uh, you know. But later, you know, the, the I, I guess back in the eighties, there was still quite a bit of rebellion in rock and roll. There was, know? yeah, that's uh, true. it's not so much anymore, you know. But it was like. 
my parents were supportive, I, I gotta say, but you know, there was still that whole, right. you know, you, you did that because you know, parents thought that music was bad for right, you and right, whatever. Right, right. Yeah, right. You know, it's like smoking yeah. cigarettes and exactly. drinking beer. Yeah. You know, it's rebellion. That's yeah. what it, that's what rock and roll is. is I, I haven't I haven't been to one of these places, but there's these the school of rock or rock mm-hmm. school or whatever sure, where parents are taking their kids there. It's like I don't know. Maybe they are, but it's somehow or another the whole spirit of rock and roll seems to be lost when it's your parents taking you there to, to do that. See, type see, of and thing. then I think you're—I could you're, be wrong, but you're, you're hitting on something there, and that's because I teach. You know, I have a ton of students, like, and so when I'm getting ready to take them into when, when they've kind of learned how to play and they can play like a two-page song and they're mm-hmm. feeling pretty good, they maybe an eighth grader or something. You know, they've been playing yeah. like four years. They, they can feel it. They're like, they feel good and they can kind of do something. Well, that's the point where I would want to take them into improv or rock or jazz yeah. or, you know. Well, what my issue is, is exactly what you just hit on of, is this, I want to show them this, but if I show them this, am I doing this authentically? Yeah. Right? Is what you're hitting on. I'm like, you're, you're going into this thing to learn rock and roll. Yeah. I mean, you know, you know what, uh. Cobain would say, you know, yeah. you smash that guitar on that drum, you know, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's like a whole different spirit and like, it's really hard, you know, I can tell that they would probably, if I expose them to that in a, in a very certain way, I think I could grab them. Yeah. Like, like you were grabbed with just a different experience where you hated it, but then this whole new element, girls and this yeah. whole new thing yeah. came in and all of a sudden you're hooked for life and... I don't know. I don't know what the solution is. I'm kind of throwing a rhetorical question out there. You know, like I guess you know, all you could do is is uh, encourage. You know, encourage a, a kid to keep at it if they show an interest in it. You know, mm-hmm. or if they show some talent. That I mean, because you could, you know, ultimately like rock and roll and blues and you know most most of that kind of thing. The best stuff comes from true expression. You know, you're, right. you're playing with your soul, right. you know, and you you feel you have something to say or you have something that you just want to get out of you. I, there was a guy who came to the jam a couple weeks ago. I won't mention any names because he's a hell of a player in this town. And he said, he goes, he goes, yeah, I just wanted to come to a blues jam. He said, I had a rough week and I just want to play some blues. Mm-hmm. He got up there and he played the... 10 minute long version of a bb king song and he left it all out there yeah, on stage yeah. on a performance he wasn't getting paid for it was just mm-hmm. a jam he just wanted to get it out and then when he got done playing that song he took the guitar off so yeah i don't you know usually get three songs or whatever at a jam and i he did the one and it, that was it you know it was like that and it was mind-blowing actually mm-hmm. you know and it was just it was, you know, that's kind of what you ultimately go for you know sure. that's what you really want you know you want to you want to you want to be moved in some right. some way, you know. I guess um, if you know you could you could be moved by technical uh, expertise or whatever as well. You know, someone performing something, you know, right? Uh, um, uh, Immaculate concerto yeah, or something. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah. That that works too. You know, but um, usually, you know, blues. Blues was, you know, that's soulful, that kind of soulful music. Mm-hmm. Rock and roll always seemed to have, have that more rebellion, you know, the middle mm-hmm. finger kind of, right. mm-hmm. you know, 
yeah. to the establishment, you know, rebel without and cause. And your parents and the yeah, church. Yeah, exactly. And the, yeah. the teacher yeah, tells you you're yeah, wasting yeah. your life for doing this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. <laughs> That's funny. Because like that, you know, again, I'm, I'm trying to think about this. Like, how does... How does an eight-year-old let out their soul? You know, well, they can't yet. You know, and but what they can do is learn some technique on their instrument and tell. Because like I've had this before with my students, where I'll I'll give them like an analogy for the song or something, and it's about like like falling in love or something. They don't know anything about love. You know, they're they're in second grade, so it's like until they get those experiences because it's such a big deal with blues like a Billy Holiday or yeah. Muddy Waters or any of these people I mean there's a reason they sound like that it's because they've gone through some hell yeah. you know and, and but you can't sound like that until you go through the hell sort of right. you know yeah. and like so that, that's where I'm at with my students is, is knowing that talking about musicality is sort of dumb right now because they yeah. don't know what I'm talking about about use your past use your pain well they haven't had any pain yet all their life's given to you know. Yeah. That, so, but it, but well, you're laying you're laying the foundation that yeah. the house will be built on. Right. Yeah, right. Yeah. That, that age. So. I just always find it interesting talking to people who are extremely non-trained because like there's a lot of you know buddies that I know that have you know had 400 violin lessons. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I'm like deep in the lessons mentality, but it's so fascinating to me talking to people that didn't do that at all, and it's. And it's not because it's they want to play the song perfect. It's feel. Yeah. The feel is the purpose for me being out there yeah. and the feeling. Right. I just think it's awesome. Uh, so you you mentioned your jam a little bit. So so like to so talk about your jam a little bit. What's going on with that? Well, uh, we we we're going every Tuesday night. And it's at the Westport Saloon. It starts around nine. Because even on Tuesday nights, <laughs> yeah, even on Tuesday nights, Westport doesn't get kicking until mm-hmm. later, yeah. you know. And uh, it's the the late start kind of has kept some people away, you know. He's, oh, well, if it was earlier, I'd come. But honestly, we haven't had a problem getting people in there, you know. Mm-hmm. It's been going really well, you know, knock on Formica mm-hmm. yeah. or <laughs> like that. So it's been, it's been going pretty well. You know, we get some pretty talented musicians in there and uh and it's just been a lot of fun and we we've had uh touring musicians come in mm-hmm. um the keisha pratt band was in last week they won the uh the uh international blues challenge last year they're from houston they were on tour and had a night off and they came in and jammed in the past we've had um ian moore came in he was a texas uh blues rock guitar player it was big in the 90s and still touring today he came in once uh selwyn birchwood was there uh from florida Mm -hmm. it's it's pretty amazing you know samantha fish used to come out regularly when Mm -hmm. she lived close by she'd you know come out when she wasn't on the road or whatever and um We've had everyone, every every one of the Schneblins. Yep. <laughs> Brock, Brock and Derek come out all the time. Yes, and yes. See, uh, the old fives are always uh, there. Amanda comes out yep. a lot. And, uh, know, yeah. yeah, she's been on the road a lot lately, yeah. uh, but she's she still comes in every so yeah. often, and um, it's been pretty good. You know, we had uh, members of Rick Springfield's band come. Mm-hmm. His backing band came in. He didn't come in, but his yeah. band did. They were staying at a hotel down the road. You know, I think the I think the 
816 or something like that, and they looking for something to do on a Tuesday night. Mm-hmm. They walked on, and uh, it was cool. You know, they were nice guys, and um, it, you know, it's just you never know what's going to go on, but you do. You're guaranteed that there's going to be some good music going mm-hmm. on. You know? Sure. And uh, the you know summertime. Uh, we go on, yeah, I say it starts around 9, you know, sometimes it really doesn't start till 9.30, but I mean, uh, it, it really gets kicking after 10, sure. you know, and uh, it's supposed to go 9 to 1, and uh, we, you know, last week, we, we were going, it was 2, we were still playing, right. still had names on the list, so I try to get everybody up, you know, I try to get them all Everyone who signed up, I tried it, you know, sometimes they leave before I could call them up, but, um, um, yeah, I, I mean, I've been in that situation before where I've showed up at a jam, you know, and, uh, you didn't get called up, so, oh, we're supposed to go till midnight, and it's midnight, so we're done, you know, and it's, yeah, that's fine, you know, that's what you're getting paid to do as, as a, as a, host a jam host or whatever yeah talk about that is that harder i think some people are like how come they didn't give me up and i I, you know i've definitely talked to dave about this and steve andrew they've both done interviews on here and paul and and it's it's kind of is it harder than people think to be a host yeah it, it, it actually is um you uh there at the tuesday jam we kind of get musicians of varying levels of uh, experience mm-hmm. and um, I try to pair people up so that you know I don't want anyone going you know I don't know what's uh, I don't you know I could throw somebody up there who doesn't necessarily know the music and, or the style or mm-hmm. what the what the singer is looking for or whatever and instead of having a just a light-hearted jam and let's see what happens it usually ends up being this why did you put that guy up here with me? He doesn't know what he's doing. This is a disaster, you know. Mm-hmm. I've seen Trainers, I've yeah. seen crowds just leave, you know, because the music mm-hmm. got bad sometimes. Mm-hmm. So I try to pair people up with, you know, people I, you know, hopefully people that they know that they've might have worked with or talked to or whatever, and uh, you know, keep them all around the same. I don't want to put a novice up there with an expert you know mm. if, the, if the expert wants to show off how amazing he is you right know, that that's part of it part of the fun sometimes mm. is yeah i'm gonna just blow everyone away you right know? and if you put a novice up there with him the, the guy will probably get lost and not know what to do and so uh so sometimes you know uh you take a little I don't know if you'd call it poetic license, but uh, when someone would sign up, it's like, okay, well, I'm gonna have I'm gonna, he signed up early, but I'm gonna have him wait because he'd be I put I, that really guy would good. be better with that with that group sure. there, and you know, so sometimes yeah, I know people do get upset. It's like, well, you, that guy signed up after me, and he's up now. Why aren't I up? Well, Calm like, down, dude. Yeah, I'd, I'd rather you dude. go up with these other people. Right. You know, you, don't worry, I'll get you up there. I'm not. I'm not. Right. You know. A lot of people take it, not a lot, I don't know, there's been a few people that take it really personally, you know, mm-hmm. that think I'm slighting them or whatever. Right. And I'm sure every jam host has had this. Oh, yeah. You know? Yeah. I'm um, sure have. There are some jams that are, uh, you know, just so heavily populated, you know, Knuckleheads. Knuckleheads is nuts. Yeah. yeah they, Billy gets 30 on yeah, some Saturday. Yeah, what, easily, what do you do with that? You easily, know? Yeah. yes, yes. And, uh, 
at that point in time, I guess you'd have you just you'd have to call people up as they signed up, or else you you're you're getting a cold then you, tax cradle. Then, yeah. then you can let go of responsibility yeah. of it too. That's you know? how and that's I how mean, it signed up. Yeah. Yes, I mean that's one way to fix that. Yeah. Is you just get them up, and then if it is what it, so so this is one of the like I keep saying on the show. This is one of the questions that I've wanted to do the show about. Literally, is that you know, and I, I'm. I don't know if I'm a deep thinker, but I think about kind of philosophical questions like this. And this is one of the things that has frustrated me about the jams is the getting up, like you were just talking about, where you have this level of person and this level of person. And how does the house band handle that? And you just sort of explain that a little bit. Um, you know, so I'll preface a couple things. One, I obviously know as you know somebody who's played music quite a long time and now I've been to two to three hundred of these in town so I feel like more like a veteran of the jams anyways and I understand that everybody has to come in and suck a bit you know I, I mean their first four or five jams everybody is gonna suck at them um, so I understand that and then I understand that we need to be patient with those people as a, as a veteran you know but the thing that is always frustrating is the negotiation that has to happen with all of the musicians in this room right now of realizing that, you know, I'm in there to hustle, you know, I want to be known as a good player in yeah. town or known in town or whatever. And so when I get up there, especially from my classical training, like I want this to be a really good song right yeah. now. It doesn't matter what song it is, but, but played well with integrity. Like let's actually like not completely screw around. Let's like, play some good music yeah. and I think one of the things that you just mentioned is you said sometimes people leave yeah wait, you know? wait to get called up yeah. no, no I mean even the fans you oh, know yeah. when, when oh, you put yeah. up a bad product up there we've all seen jams that that kind of went about three months and then they're done yeah you know so that that's I've heard a lot of arguments with this on the show of so my so my question is it is frustrating when, because, and you are, you also know this, that you need to go to like 10 jams and four of them, you might get that moment where it's a little bit of an average set, you yeah. know, but the other six are going to go really good. So you got to just go to a bunch of them. Right. Yeah. And so my, so my question to you is like, do you think there should be a baseline of ability before you get up in an open jam? Uh... Yeah, I, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, you should you should uh, have a I mean, uh, some semblance of what you want to do. You know what you want to play, and and uh, uh, but then again, I I suppose that's also difficult because there's there's a lot of musicians who think they're great and maybe they're not. Mm. I don't know. Um, jams. Uh, they're all different, um, different venues, different hosts, different people who, you know, populate those jams. And, um, there's a different feeling, a different vibe. I don't want to get too metaphysical, but you yeah. know, it's like different kind of soul or whatever spirit mm -hmm. about the thing. Right. And, um, cause some, you know, there are some jams where like the, the real, you know, the real pro people go to, mm -hmm. and, uh, so they have different purposes, right? There's different yeah, jams. I suppose, for, yeah, 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 I don't know if they all, I don't know if they necessarily start out that way, but they just kind of, there's, 
there was one that I used to go to occasionally that uh, everyone who would go to this jam was from working bands. You know, they right, were all right. pros. I mean, yeah. they're, they're in the scene yeah. and they're gigging. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, it, and it wasn't advertised as a pro jam. You know, right. it was advertised as an open jam. Open. Right. All yeah. musicians welcome. Yeah. And, um, you know, that's kind of like knuckleheads too. You know, I mean, you get a real big mix of people just starting out or... Right. Or uh, you know, and and professionals and and whomever else you know, we have that at Tuesday night mm-hmm. at the Westport Saloon too. You, you get know, Amanda you know. and Brock, and they, I mean they're they're yeah. good. They know yeah. exactly what they're doing. Yeah, they're, they, they're yeah. gonna tear it up. Yeah. And then there's you know some people that just want to try something. You know, it's I've been learning, I've been practicing, I want to mm-hmm. get up and play. It's all right. So you know, we'll just I don't I try to not discourage anyone, but you know mm-hmm. it's it's also like you know kind of maybe go to the jam once or twice and just listen you know and see what's see what's up you know see if you think maybe mm-hmm. it's something that you know maybe maybe i don't know i'm not quite ready for this yet you know right. if it's going to be like this every week you know at that certain level yeah there's mm-hmm. plenty of jams in town there's a lot of jams sure, in yeah. Kansas city right. so you can find one you can find one that you can kind of cut your teeth on you right know? it's I, I would not discourage anyone from giving it a shot, you know. Sure, yeah. It's not the easy... It's one thing practicing in your bedroom. It's it's a different thing practicing with a band in your garage. And then right. put it on stage in front of people. Right. Many of whom are probably other musicians. Mm. and it's Different we're, pressure, we're, yeah. We're, we judge each other all the time. I don't care what anybody says. I, we try not to, you know. <laughs> yeah, well, we, no, no, it's, we're, it's, no, all musicians in Kansas City just love each other. We think we're all great and we encourage it. No, no, I've had, yeah, we, we, yo, that guy thinks he's, yeah, he, he thinks he's so great. Yeah. So, so you just said something interesting. So, so I'm I, kidding. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I think I think we know definitely what you mean. So, like the foundation would be something like what you're talking about, the Mutual Musicians Foundation or the Blue Room. I mean, you when you go down there, I mean, there's a little bit of an expectation. Like you need to kind of have your crap together before yeah, you're oh, up yeah. on the stage. Mm-hmm. But there's other jams that are that are meant more for you know to give people that chance yeah. to kind of suck for a minute, you know. And so I like that. And, and you just said something interesting, which is why, again, why I wanted to do this show is that I'm, I'm trying to come up with like a framework of the, the people on stage, like who's, whose responsibility is this a little bit is where, what, what I'm going through my head. So obviously there's, there's some on the jammers, you know, there's some people that are just, and this is what I've been just basically annoyed at with music in general is cluelessness and and i've kind of done that while talking through the show a little Mm -hmm. bit has found that word cluelessness of that i mean this guy really thinks he's actually kind of good yeah and he doesn't know anything about anything you know yeah so like that's one example and so so my argument is obviously there's some on the jammers you know where they they need to kind of get a clue that you know and, and, and who I'm not talking, and I won't mention your, their names, and you and I will know who I'm talking about. There's this, you know, three or four jammers around town that, that nobody really likes, but they're sort of good enough to be up there. Mm-hmm. They can kind of hang with some guys, and it's fine. I'm talking about the guys that are like, you know, have no business being on yeah. the stage right now. And so that's where I come back to. Those guys are up there, but all of us 
are back in the back of the bar like dude yeah. this guy yeah. again and we're all you know <laughs> yeah. you know but then I get frustrated that nobody ever calls that dude out. Yeah. And that, that's frustrating to me. And I, I've talked to like Dave Hayes about this and he, you know, he wants people at his jam. You can't yeah. just go, you know, bitch at everybody. And that, that's a good yeah. argument. Yeah. I mean, is that, is that kind of how you feel about oh, that? Oh yeah, yeah, like, yeah, that's, yeah, I mean, that is true. Um, just like everything else in the music business, the only thing that really matters at the very end of the night is how much the till is, you know, the the, own, the venue owners, what kind of money they're making at the end of the night, because we as jam hosts are getting paid. The musicians who jam don't get paid. And um, if someone is so lousy, you know, so, so terrible, so off-key or off-color or whatever. Yeah, up to 11 that, or something. That yeah, people... Yeah physically get up off their bar stools and leave and you're losing business mm -hmm. you know you're losing business and you you're, as the jam host will lose your gig you know the, the mm -hmm. venue owner won't keep you around you know if that's gonna that type of thing is gonna be happening you know and uh so there have been stories about people getting banned from jams oh, i sure. have yet to ban anyone mm -hmm. from from uh from at least from my jam, um, right? There have been a few that I've wanted to, but uh, haven't. <laughs> <laughs> there and there was uh, uh, there was a guy who once uh, I I was say it say it. I wasn't I wasn't hosting this jam. I went to a jam. I went to a, uh, I went to a jam, and uh, I was, I'm. I was wearing, I'm a fan of the Chicago Blackhawks mm -hmm. hockey team. I was wearing a Chicago Blackhawks hat. And uh, there was this guy who was there who was visiting from out of town who nobody knew. And I don't know what he was on because he was talking a million miles an hour. He had a Blackhawks t-shirt. And he was like, hey, look, hey, all right, yeah, go Blackhawks. He's talking a million miles an hour. He goes, you getting up to play? I said, yeah, I think I'm going to get up to play. And there, I had friends there. I had I had various different friends there, and the jam host they knew me and they knew it's so they call up me and they call up this bass player, they call up a drummer, they call up a singer. We're all friends, and we all know each other. We all know what we're gonna do. We're gonna have this good old jam. The dude in the Blackhawks shirt goes up to the host and says, "Can you put me up there with my buddy?" Pointing at me, it's I don't know this guy. He goes up there and he. you know, like I said, put the amp on eleven and was just playing over everybody. It was like. He was in key, at least. He had that going yeah, for him. He right. was in key. But he was just wailing away. The singer's trying to sing, and it's like, here's this guy just mm -hmm. blistering solos mm -hmm. louder than everyone else. They had to go up and actually turn his amp off. And uh, mm -hmm. and uh, the host was like, I'm sorry. The guy said you guys were friends. I said, no, I've never met him before in my life. And uh, yeah. pretty much ruined what would have otherwise mm -hmm. been a pretty nice nice set, little yeah, little yeah. set we had yeah yeah but um so, and that's kind of the guys that i'm talking about yeah, right yeah. i mean we have all those guys we know that are you know we just don't like playing with them but they're they have they're perfectly talented enough to yeah, be up on a yeah. jam stage you know and yeah and so like and so that leads me to my next point is that well if it's not a hundred percent on the jammers then who's it on well yeah. it's, it's on the house band yeah. you know to kind of yeah. police that and like and i totally agree with you about the the bar owner comment you yeah. know of you know, the, to us well, jammers, if, if, this is happy fun time right yeah. now. But to the club owner, it isn't happy fun time. These guys are paying, you know. And yeah. so 
that's my next question. Is it is it on the jam host to, to yeah, police that's that? Why, that's why that's yeah. why we're there. Yeah. That's that's why we're there. I mean, because yeah. uh, uh, you could have you could set up a drum set and various amps on stage and say we have an open jam, mm-hmm. and let whoever shows up get up and play. Mm-hmm. Just let someone else, you know. Have have whoever shows up, they can just plug in and play, and you don't need a jam host. But you kind of need someone to organize it, and talk mm-hmm. to people, and say, "Hey, you know, um, I, I, you're signed up second, but I want to put you with the people that are like six and seven and eight, and uh, so do you mm-hmm. mind waiting a minute? And right. I'm going to put someone ahead of you, and you know, right. you kind of negotiate that and um, deal with egos, and mm-hmm. which I haven't. It's it's not been that bad you know i mean uh i haven't really you know especially with the with the professional grade musicians right. you know because um i think we've all there's only a few i mean there's so many jams in this town i think everyone's hosted a jam at it's some sure, point in time right. you know it's and not you, really sub jam a lot yes, i know yeah. you do the 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 hideout one once in yeah, a while too yeah, yeah. yeah we do the hideout every so often and uh that was my first jam, actually. It was years and years ago. Uh, we used to do a Sunday one there. Mm-hmm. They had a rotation. And that was a, that was a pretty good one. That mm-hmm. one was fun while it lasted. Uh, yesterday, I was at Knuckleheads. I was substituting at yeah. Knuckleheads. So, um, For Levy Town, It's yeah. not, it's, you know, not everybody's necessarily cut out for it, you know. I mean, mm-hmm. It's not the most difficult job in the world. But, yeah, you do have to do that. You do have to kind of... Mm-hmm. know when to pull the plug on people you know and uh hey when that guy great all right let's yeah. see it <laughs> and know when to give them another one too yeah because sometimes you'll get like amanda and derek and then or you know a couple studs up there you know and then i'm like dude do another one yeah. the crowd is like digging you hard yeah, right yeah. now and like let them do you know yeah it's a, it's like at the westport saloon there's two bars right there's the back bar where the stage mm-hmm. is and then there's the front bar they have tvs and stuff in there and, and it's quieter and people can converse when people are getting up from that bar and coming in the back you know you got something good mm-hmm. you know yeah. you know you got some really good music going on on stage or or something you know something exciting you know something interesting something you know cool to watch or or you know a musician that maybe you've heard of but haven't you know seen or you know like cj walker he comes out fairly mm-hmm. frequently and he, he he was on billboards all across town you know all over the metro area so it's like when he started coming down when he got old enough <coughs> to start going into bars <laughs> and uh he would go out there and jam. A lot of people would come in and, you know, mm-hmm. I said before, like, uh, Samantha Fish was the same way. People would walk, would walk by and go, oh, my God, is that? Yeah. You know, and then they find out there's no cover. <laughs> oh, well, she's, you know. You're right, right. <laughs> so, yeah. And so, whoops, oh. I just threw my pants. <laughs> yeah, it's long yeah, I like it. So, um, so kind of switching gears here to be, so now that you're, you're also a kind of band leader in town as well. And I had my first kind of big experience leading a band a couple of years ago. And it was, it was a huge learning experience for me. I'd only played in like orchestra and school mm-hmm. and then as kind of more of a side guy. And then, so I tried to run my own band and it was, it was something else. I learned a lot about, like we talked about club owners and, mm-hmm. and you and you said something interesting earlier about 
that you start at nine at that jam and a lot of like Dave and a lot of his are more seven, seven thirty. Mm-hmm. Well, I think it's funny that you mentioned that sometimes also maybe because of the spot in town, people just bar hop. Yeah. Right? Well, when they come over to Dave's jam, they've kinda come specifically for yeah, over yeah. to Lou Allen's and they they're we're gonna stay here. We're not going yeah. to a second jam. We're gonna stay till ten ish or something yeah. and leave. Well, in that area, you guys probably got a lot more younger crowd there too. Mm-hmm. I mean, so do you like, as the, as the like kind of, not even as the open jam host, but as the band leader, do you do you adjust anything for that for knowing that or, not necessarily. No, not yeah. really. No, um, uh, that it's like a younger crowd specifically. Yeah, and, uh, and they and they like the music too. It's really en- it's really encouraging, you know, mm-hmm. to see, you know, they they come. It, it's. To see people playing and having fun on stage and playing good music and the crowd hears it and gets into it, you know. I don't know if uh, I don't know if anyone's selling more CDs or what because of it or mm-hmm. you know, but you know, it's it's a good sign to see a young crowd like that appreciate, right. you know, because um, uh, it's every you know every so often. You always end up hearing some story, you know, reading something in the paper or something about uh, such and such blues festival. Well, attendance was down this year, and it's been steadily going down. You know, it's like, well, yeah, because kind of the fans are dying. <laughs> literally, <laughs> literally, it's like the the, the fan just, yeah, the fan base yeah. is getting older, and and the, you know. It's well, yeah. Bluegrass had a resurgence mm-hmm. in, in the in the twenty tens, and and uh, and country is like ridiculous, right? Yeah. It's probably the biggest music right now, maybe next to hip hop, but like it, yeah. I mean, yeah. It, uh, so uh, I mean, you see, oh yeah. Well, album blues album sales are down, and and uh, festival attendance is down. I talked to someone about who worked at a festival this year, and he said it was the smallest attendance he'd ever seen at this mm-hmm. one particular festival. And um, I don't know. Um, we do tend to have a lot of the musicians that come out. You know, we—that's the other thing too—is we have a pretty diverse age range of musicians. Mm-hmm. We got a lot. C.J. Walker, like I said, he's mm-hmm. a young guy. Heather Newman comes out frequently. She's very young too. And uh, there's a lot of us thirty-ish year olds. There's a ton of them in the blues scene. I've yeah. seen a crapload of them out. Yeah, the, and and in, in the Brock blues, and Derek yeah. and Samantha in and, the blues yeah, world, if you're Amanda, like, yeah. if you're thirty years old, you're still you're, you're just out of diapers, mm-hmm. you know, at thirty yeah. years old, according to the blues world. I remember reading something in the Chicago Sun Times this was years ago when Billy Branch was fifty years old. They were talking about, well, it's a good thing to have a young guy like mm. that taking the blues. He's fifty, <laughs> and they described him as a young guy. It's like, well, I guess I, there's still hope for me. Mm. I'm not fifty. <laughs> yeah, getting closer. Every day I'm getting closer to it. But. The, the, the younger audience of like Bill O'Reilly is like seventy. You know, yeah, it's that exactly. kind of a thing. You know, yeah. Like, yeah. Oh, they're just getting into their Get prime. Get these kids yeah. in here, yeah. It's all the free money well, or the, 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 what's it, extra money to spend. Yeah. Right. Well, you, you said something interesting because, like, even Westport Saloon, you know, he's, he's kind of kept the same general flavor of his bar as, a, and I don't want to even want to describe it, but definitely Rootsy. Yeah. I, would, I definitely call Very his bar so, yeah. Rootsy in, and that music is really hard to, like, 
it's it's the opposite of fake. Yeah. You know, it's and and blues is another example of an opposite of fake. You cannot fake it. It's mm-hmm. a, you know when it's good. You can't. Yeah. And so like, I think that's also maybe in the in the part of town too. You know, Westport's you know very yeah. very kind of liberal type area and young young person area. And I think there's a resurgence in our whole society for naturalness and yeah. re- and and realness you know yeah. I, definitely with the whole like whole foods generation yeah. you know that's just another element of this if everybody's getting tired of fake crap yeah and i think i i wonder if that's probably one of the reasons why bluegrass has come back is because it's so not fake right we're, yeah. we're t- i think a lot of p- music fans are tired of the taylor swifts and like that kind mm-hmm. of music being so fake and and uh produced you yeah. know and, and there I think a lot of people I, I don't know if you're seeing this too but even though the blues you know uh, numbers are down I, I think there's actually a resurgence in non-fakeness yeah, I think that, I think the only reason why they say blues numbers are down fan wise is because they're not targeting they're, they're not marketing it right because there are plenty mm. of people out there I've said this I've said this for decades, as long as I've been playing. It's like there are people out there that love blues music that just don't know. Ooh. They don't know they love blues mm. music. When you go, when you, you know, it's like you get a, have a couple of beers, you're hanging out with your friends. It's music that's easy, easy to dance to. Mm. We've had dance floor packed with young 20 some year old mm. kids, you know, mm. playing song written by Muddy Waters in 1947, you know. Mm. So it's like, there is, there is a market. There is, I mean, there is, I don't like using that term, no market for it because it makes it sound like I'm, yeah. you know. Targeting and stuff. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But there, I mean, there is a way. There is, there are, there are people out there that would like this music and appreciate, you know, appreciate what, what's going on. You know, it's just, I don't know, for whatever reason, it's not getting through. I don't know if there's, you see a lot of the festivals, you know, there's about, a dozen names of national touring acts or international, whatever. Big, the big name. They play all the festivals. Yeah, right. All of them. There's like 12, 15 people. It's like there was this one Robert festival. Randolph is a big one right now. Yeah. Jam, I mean, he's yeah, yeah, jammy, he, funky, mm-hmm. bluesy, steel yeah, guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he kind of he kind of crosses genres. He had right. a crossover appeal ten years ago or so. He was he was getting you know radio play on on mainstream rock and all that other and um but um you know the same handful of people the same handful of acts it's like um some i just got something like some notification on facebook or something Mm -hmm. like that where it was like vote for you know the such and such blues awards there's there's a couple that are going on Mm -hmm. now and um uh, it's you know they let the fans vote and it's like here are the nominees and it's like well that magazine has nominated these people in such and such category look at the other ones the exact same people are nominated and then you go back and see the BMAs the Blues mm-hmm. Grammy Awards right. essentially the same people were nominated and the same handful of people win every year and mm-hmm. it's like there's a guy there's a guy there's a poster I thought this was hilarious i don't know why i didn't share it on facebook or something mm. like, you know but there's a there's a poster in the bathroom at bb's 
this guy it has his picture and it says it says the name of his band and then underneath it says 14 time nominee for blues music award mm-hmm. 14 time nominee, nominee. <laughs> you got nominated 14 That's... times i don't care how many you won it, i don't know usually you don't list how many times you were nominated if you've won one which i kind of insinuate that he hasn't won one yet but still he's been nominated 14 times it just kind of says to me that they're not really mixing things up very well, right. you know. So when you get the same people, the same acts, the same sound and everything like that, you know, which is... It's static, yeah. Yeah, that, maybe that's kind of leading to the dwindling crowds. I don't know. Let's just put two and two together here. I, I could yeah. be wrong on that, too. But uh, Well, so let's talk about it. I mean, first of all, that's like the almost Hall of Fame, you know? Yeah. <laughs> you yeah, know, like, yeah. That's mm-hmm. how, you know, somebody can feel it. So, so, one, so one of the things, thinking that out, is it's a lot of older people, first of all, you yeah. know, and we, it, maybe not in the Kansas City scene, but in general, it's a lot of B.B. King looking guys playing mm-hmm. blues. And and he's like dead, you yeah. know. You mm-hmm. know, so it's a lot of like older crowd, and I think that's one thing that could rejuvenate it is some some younger bands, yeah. and maybe this is because I know all of us are really into sort of the underground scene, which is what the entire Kansas City is. It's yeah. sort of a non essentially yes. non billboard scene, and it's you know it's decent size here, but that's maybe what's going to rejuvenate it is some younger guys. Um, coming in and doing it Whoops. Uh, like like Zeppelin did really mm-hmm. you know Zeppelin and those bands in the 70s I mean they were young guys but they they took 12 bar but they did it with you know yeah. massive you know fuzz tone, heavy, yeah. Fuzz tone <laughs> and yeah or put some funk over it and stuff and maybe that's one thing that it could do um, I don't I don't know if that would if that would solve it. And you, you said something else awesome that you think people like it, they just don't know it. Yeah. And I've thought about that too. We, we did a show one time, it was at Record Bar, and they played a whole bunch of kind of regular pop rock songs. And then one song, the drummer, bass, and guitar got up and they did a little Latin thing. And the whole crowd's like, you know, they start, you know, and I'm like, I look back at my buddy who was playing drums, I'm like, See, these people like Latin jazz. They just don't know they like yeah, Latin jazz. Yeah. You know, it's the same problem. Yeah, you yeah. Know, like. There's certain, like jazz, you hear the word jazz, mm-hmm. instantly that's like that's like a swear word. Oh, no, yeah. jazz, I don't like jazz. No, the, jazz is actually a very vague term that mm-hmm. covers a lot of ground. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure for everyone out there who says they don't like jazz, I'm not a big fan of jazz mm-hmm. myself. There is something in that oh, yeah. that you can find that's labeled as jazz. Sure. And blues is kind of that way as well. You know, there's blues that's a little more rock, there's blues that's a little more uh, swing type big band mm-hmm. kind of stuff, and there's jazzier stuff. There's definitely a kind of a country style folk, too. Yeah, yeah, folk and country and yeah, acoustic. Folsom, working man blues. Yeah. I mean, they've been using blues and exactly, country yeah. for forever. Mm-hmm. And by definition, those are blues songs. I mean, they mm-hmm. use all the, the whole structure and everything, mm-hmm. you know. So, um, I don't know. You know? I, don't, I don't know if that, if that would be something, like, I've done this before too, where I'll listen to, now that I've come to a different appreciation of like country, I'll hear a song on the radio, and I'm like, 
oh, that's a pretty cool blues tune, you know, yeah. and then I'll be like, oh, crap, this is yeah. actually a country tune, you know, and it, it sounds so bluesy, you know. <coughs> yeah. And that, that really drives me nuts with, uh, with other, with people, like you, you've talked even in this interview and mentioned some, some heavy hitter names of the, the Hall of Fame of blues, you know, Muddy Waters, and, yeah. and, and so it, it's really nice to, for people to really understand what blues is. I mean, blues is, first of all, feeling. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just a, it's a feeling of letting out musically, uh, you're feeling sad, but you're doing it in a way to make you feel better. You know, mm -hmm. it's, it's a venting yeah. you know, situation. And, but it's really like a, musically, it's really a scale. You're just playing the blues scale, yeah. mm -hmm. and it's kind of the 12-bar sound of that. But then you throw that into Latin, throw that into uh, swing, you throw that into funk, you throw that into a country two-step, and you yeah. you know it's that's all it is, right? I mean, and you can use I don't know, like it's like water or something where you can yeah. like use it in all of this different cooking or something. Yeah, you know, it's like well, weird. they're painting a picture. You essentially mm -hmm. just need three colors. Yeah, you know, yeah. you need yellow, red, and blue, and right. you could do you could paint a you know, you could paint a, a, an amazing picture with mm -hmm. that, you know. So that's essentially what it is. You know, blues is one of those elemental kind of things, you know, one of those primitive, uh, mm. primal, you know. Right. I think that's why people are drawn to it. They can feel it, you know. Yeah. I mean, it's like a natural. When it's done right, yes. <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. You know, we're probably, probably finishing up here, but. Uh, do you have, I kind of, kind of going to drop this on you a little bit if you can think of one, but can you think of a, you, you already mentioned kind of a story that was really kind of a crazy jam. Can you, can you think of any other like really crazy stories in the music business that you've had or any weird uh, gigs or any great gigs or like, I've tried to end the show on this of kind of a, because people love gig stories. I mean, they're just, they're just hilarious usually. Can you think yeah, of anything? Or? Yeah, I have a, there's a few I can think of. Maybe the PG-13 version PG -13, or something. Yeah. All right. All right. Uh, <laughs> um, I used to live in the Chicago area and um, there was uh, one night, I was in a band with my brother and one night we're playing at this one bar called the gutter and it was in batavia illinois and uh we're we're just up playing and you know some people it was an okay crowd it wasn't great but it was okay and some people were paying attention and some people weren't and you know it was just kind of kind of a blah night you know and we're we're up there playing we're kind of going through through the sets kind of going through the motions you know dialing this one in and uh, uh, this guy comes walking up to the stage. We got done playing a song. This guy comes walking up to the stage, and he's talking. He's pretty drunk. Mm -hmm. He was he was definitely overserved. And he had a cell phone in his hand, and he, he kept putting it up to his ear. You know, like he was talking to someone, and he was speaking with. Something that definitely sounded to me like a fake British accent. Mm -hmm. It definitely sounded like a fake British accent to me. And uh, uh, he comes up and he's like, I'm not going to try to do his accent. <laughs> I'll just sound ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. Although this guy did sound yeah, ridiculous to yeah. me. He said, well, I'm with this, uh, I'm with a movie studio. And we're in this area 
we're scouting locations because we're gonna be filming a movie here and we need to find a bar and there's a possibility that the bar scene is gonna require a band playing on stage. Mm -hmm. So I've got my producer on the phone right here. And I want you guys to play your best song and I'll let him hear it. And he'll tell you if you're gonna be in this movie or not. And I'm thinking, Oh, shit. I don't know. Yeah. I, I'm sorry for. No, you're right. I'm, you're this guy is full of. This he's guy full of crap. Is, he's full of it. Yeah, it's like uh, he goes. So, what's your best song? What's your best song? I said, Oh well, that's too bad. We just got done playing our best song. He turns at me, and he puts the finger in my face, and he's like, Listen, pal, if I want any comedy out of you, I will. Blah, blah, blah. And he starts in on me. The bouncer comes over. The bartender's husband comes over and like two patrons from the bar dog pile on this guy. <laughs> and they picked him up and literally like, you know, gave him the bum's rush. Literally Sugar like threw him out so the door. Crap. And they said that he's been annoying people all night. Yeah. Doing that whole, I'm with this movie right, studio yeah. and I'm scouting locations. He was obviously schnockered. He was, he was annihilated, drunk. And I'm still on the phone with my producer. <laughs> yeah, the whole time. <laughs> Ironically, Six months later, there was a movie being shot in the Batavia, oh, Illinois wow, area. That's crazy. <laughs> Just a couple, a couple of miles north, and it starred oh, wow. Steve Martin and 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 Kevin Bacon. And uh, there's a movie called Novocaine. It was shot in Geneva, Illinois, which is right next door. Mm. You know, right next door to Batavia. But I mean, it was like this. What a load of baloney this guy has had of me you know it's like they don't film movies in batavia illinois are you kidding me yeah well <laughs> i mean it's it's possible i guess but like i mean you don't even know if that guy got fired then somebody yeah. else came in and yeah. then they did the yeah. movie you know so or i do or, recall in that movie there was a scene that was shot in a bar but there was no band not, right not that i remember so i don't know if that guy really wasn't lying right. or or if that was just a, an amazing coincidence I think I more than likely I think my initial feeling was right. I think he right. was going around trying to get free drinks. Yeah, you know? sure. I bet <laughs> Just, he was. Or or not, I, not everybody had a cell phone at the time. This is early two thousand. A lot mm, of people had cell phones, but not not yeah. everybody. You know. So yeah. he walking around with his cell phone permanently big, out. You know, I'm big a big shot, big yeah. guy. Yeah, big shot. Yeah. Dude, uh, that's funny, man. I mean, and who knows if that guy would have been a complete pain in the ass too. You know, even if you guys would have mm -hmm. done the movie, you know, maybe you yeah. made, you know, a couple grand or something from yeah. doing the movie, but maybe that was been a horrible experience, yeah. you know, right. you know, even if it is true. Like, yeah, hey, that was, wasn't that that band from that really terrible movie with, with Kevin Bacon? <laughs> yeah, do you even want to be in that movie? That's another question. It wasn't you know, that good of a movie. Right, so. yeah, that's funny, man. <laughs> I mean, we've all had, like, stories like that. I mean, everybody can, everybody has a story of that guy or that girl and then they came up to the bar or they came up to the bandstand and then they yeah you know like mm -hmm. you know acted a fool or whatever you know um uh a friend of mine sue Stubbs, came out to our jam once and uh someone someone she got up to sing and she someone said hey sing some janice joplin like, mm -hmm. if you're if you're a female singer you're always gonna have people asking that's like 
shouting Freebird, which I have had people shout at me as recently as a week ago. Shh, <laughs> yeah. No. No. <laughs> Still, to this day, people scream Freebird. But if you're a female singer, I'm guessing you know, you're, you're, you're asked to sing Janis Joplin. You're, you're a woman. you got to know Janis Joplin. Because I can't think of any other <laughs> I can't think. <laughs> female singers in history. I can't think of any other female singers. And so she said something to the effect of, uh, she goes, anybody who tips the band $100 right now, I will sing me and Bobby McGee. Mm-hmm. Some dude whips out his wallet, a $100 bill. <laughs> yep, she goes, all right. Busted flat and fat and rouge. Right, 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 right. <laughs> It was brilliant. It was amazing. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't know. Like, I don't think we've ever gotten tipped a hundred. I think a guy asked our 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 band leader. He's like, "Here, no, 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 take that." And and he wouldn't let him do it. I, I don't think I would either. I I I'm like, no, you can't be tipping me a hundred dollars. You're drunk as crap. You know, like, give me twenty dollars. You know, I'll take yeah. a twenty fifty dollar tip, yeah. a hundred dollar yeah. yeah. tip. I'm like. No, dude. You're like, gonna regret you're, this in yeah, the morning. Like, and <laughs> you're, you're just trying to act. Yeah. You know, you're just trying to act big and like, and you know, we're not. We're worth a hundred dollars in tips. We're yeah. worth five hundred dollars in tips. But dude, I'm not taking your hundred dollar tip, man. That, like, especially at eleven thirty at night. Like, you're just drunk. Yeah. You know, I mean, I played a. Don't uh, make me feel right. You know. I played like, a, a a block party. My band was, but uh, we did the KKFI band auction mm. you know that oh yeah, yeah. and uh, this block party bid on us and they won us and we went out there and played and it was great you know we set up in this yard area and everyone in the neighborhood came out it was huge and because it was the band auction thing we were donating our time and they're like oh don't worry we'll, we're gonna pass the tip bucket for you it ended up being like really one of the highest paying gigs mm, wow. they ever played. Wow. But this one guy, uh, because of tips alone, you know, mm. and they asked us to play later and okay, yeah. And so they threw more money in and so yeah, it was a lot of fun. And uh, this guy came up and he was not drunk. He was stone sober. And I think he might've been one of the organizers of the event. I'm, I can't recall. Mm. And he said, uh, he goes, I really want to hear some Eric Clapton. He says, here's a hundred dollar tip. He said, play something, anything by Eric Clapton. Mm. So I thought, well, all right. Uh, we went up there and I, I talked to the, I know some Clapton songs and the the people in the band at the time weren't too familiar with them. So I stuck to mainly blues and I played like every Clapton song that we mm-hmm. could as a band. It ended up being like four or five songs. Right, right. So yeah, Probably $100 tip, you know, right we're going to make sure he gets yeah. his money worth. And at the very end of the night, he comes up, he goes, I never heard my Clapton. <laughs> I played five Eric Clapton songs for you. Well, that's said, I never heard them. I don't know. <laughs> he's, he's waiting for Layla. He's yeah, waiting for yeah. cocaine. He's waiting for... Uh, and I, I ended up uh, playing further on up the road and mm-hmm. stuff like that instead of Lay Down Sally or, you know, mm-hmm. or, uh, yeah, one of the, one of the, I think that's more what he wanted to hear. Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, that's uh, funny, man. He wanted to hear some cream. Yeah. And you just didn't give it to him. You yeah. Oh, <laughs> well, we did. We did Crossroads. We the did. Crossroads, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is, uh, you know, the Clapton version of Crossroads. Yeah, so. sure. But obviously, uh, he was busy or something when we played and didn't, didn't hear it. I said, well, you want your money back? I mean, we did play like four songs. But... Said, no, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> he was sober, though. It wasn't, it wasn't like he, you know, like the guy who... Threw the hundred dollars for the. Right. He was, uh, you know, he was You're obviously. Right. 
you know, a little out there. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's funny, man. Well, uh, well, yeah, man. Well, uh, hey, plug, uh, plug your band and your jam one more time. All right. Tuesday night, Westport Saloon. Uh, the Tuesday night blues jam, it starts at 1, goes from 9 to 1, but uh, usually we go a little bit overtime. So come on out. Mm -hmm. It's a really fun jam. I've been out to it a bunch of times, and, and you got a good house band, and it's it's definitely fun. You guys get a lot of jammers, and it's usually it's usually pretty darn lively in there. Yeah. I'd say <laughs> you know, like especially being so late night, because mm. um, so many of them are so so early. You guys get a different kind of crowd yeah. there at that jam, which is fun. Very much. And so. uh, I definitely uh, uh, appreciate you letting me get up there and jam with you guys yeah. whenever I, whenever I come down there. So yeah, you need to. We haven't seen you in a while. Yeah, <laughs> I, there's, that, and that you mentioned that because there are so many of them in town. Yeah, you know, and, and there's I mean maybe 15, right? I'd say in it's general. That, yeah. yeah, and so like I try to get out to them, but you just can't get to them every yeah. week. And I haven't been to Levy Towns in a long time, so the last couple weekends I've been hitting it because I finally yeah. have had time. But. I haven't been to their jam in four years, probably oh, until wow. uh, you know, just hadn't happened. I would teach, you know, on Sunday, but uh, but yeah, man, we'll uh, definitely uh, keep up, uh, keep up the good work, keep keep jamming, and um, I'm glad uh, glad you're out here in the scene. We all we need a bunch <laughs> of bunch of people like you supporting it, whatever, and I know you do. So um, thank you. Anyway, uh, yeah, um, thanks for coming on the show. Um, that's it. So uh, get out of here. <laughs> go go listen to some live music. So anyway, thanks for coming, man. Yeah, thank hey, you. Uh, Cody Bill. We'll be back next time talking to some more people about some stuff. But take it easy.